Hey guys, it's Noah. Before we get into our next episode, I just want to encourage you to check out the description of this episode. While you're there, you will see references to all of our social media accounts. Please pause the podcast and take a minute to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and even TikTok. Also, while you're there, you will see a link to check out our blogs. I highly encourage you to go to couchfanaticsports.com to read our daily content. Lastly, you can find our YouTube channel in the description of this episode. Take a minute to subscribe to the Couch Fanatic Sports YouTube channel for weekly content and interviews. Now, I just want to thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Couch Fanatic Sports Podcast. Please feel free to download, rate, and subscribe to our pod. Now, let's get into the latest episode. What's up? And welcome back to the Couch Fanatic Sports Podcast, episode 15. I'm your host, Noah Domang, and today we have a packed show, loaded show. We have Chase 4K on as for an interview. That's going to be coming up a little bit later after we get through some NFL talk. It was a great interview. We talked about his time as Nichols, what he's up to now, him uh, chasing his NFL dream. So I know a lot of you are going to be here for that. So, uh, yep, just going to have to hold on a little bit. Uh, we're going to be doing some NFL talk, talking some J.J. Watts and Russell Wilson, as always, some Deshaun Watson, uh, kind of just common people to talk about now for the last few shows. They've been definitely getting me through this offseason. <laughs> um, and then we're probably going to start, and not probably, we will start our division-by-division division breakdown starting this week. Um, it's going to end up running into the MLB season, but that's okay. We're going to we're gonna give it, it the time it deserves. But, yep, if you're here for the Chase 4K interview, I'm just letting you know now it's going to come after the NFL talk, so you're going to have to sit through this a little bit with me. But uh, kind of just digging in, uh, let's start with the J.J. Watt news because that's, you know, a little bit more a little bit more present. There's actually news there instead of just speculation. J.J. Watt signed with the Cardinals uh, two years, $31 million, $23 million guaranteed. Um, I don't think it's technically official yet. I don't think the, the new calendar year started for the league yet. I'll have to look into that. But... Man, that is some monster money for J.J. Watt. I really did not think J.J. Watt would be getting $15.5 million per year. Definitely did not think he'd be getting $23 million guaranteed in these two-year contracts, but here we are. Um, Is it an overpay? Yes. Do I still think J.J. Watt can produce? Yes. If you look at his stats, very, 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 very underwhelming last year. I played all 16 games and he only accumulated like five or six sacks. Um, six sacks as an edge rusher in 16 games is not $15.5 million worth money. But then you'll look at the things saying, oh, he had one of the highest double team rates last season. Oh, and he also had one of the highest double team win rates last season. Okay, that's encouraging. You know, that Texas defense didn't have much talent. He was, um, you know, he was doubled a lot. A lot of attention was forced his way. And then you also see, okay, he ranked 15th in the league in pass rush win rate. Okay, that's pretty legit considering there's 119 people that qualified. Now we're kind of working with something here. Like, you know, like maybe he still got it. It just didn't produce into numbers, but the peripherals are still good. So then the Cardinals may look at it as, you know what? We have Chandler Jones, the guy who has the most sacks in the NFL since 2012 on one side. If we get J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt's not getting doubled anymore. Like, he just won't. If Chandler Jones is playing on the other side of him, J.J. Watt's not getting doubled. And if he is ever going to get doubled, it's not going to be much. They're going to be, you know, the teams are going to switch focus 
like, you know, team to team or um, quarter to quarter on who's going to get more attention out of those two. So they might be thinking, or at least this is, you know, my kind of thought process here. If we already have a top tier pass rusher, if we can pair JJ with him, with JJ's peripherals of, you know, pass rush win rate and uh, double team rate and saying like, you know, like maybe don't look at the stats, maybe look at what he still has left in the tank. And if we're being honest here, if there's one human being that we know is going to work his absolute tail off to get better each and every single day, it's JJ Watt. If there's one guy in the league that we know is not going to accept, uh, you know, mediocrity or just being an average player, it's JJ. He's not the type of guy that's going to just, you know, sit around and collect a paycheck. He's going to be out there, you know, working out three times a day. And then whatever extra time he has left, he's going to be, he's going to do just spending time in the community. So, if you do take a risk on a player who maybe didn't put up the numbers but has the good you know, peripherals, then this is kind of the guy you do it with. Um, is J.J. Watt a three-time defensive player of the year type player anymore? No, he's not. You know, Is he an all-pro type player? No. Is he a Pro Bowl type player? It depends on how this works out, right? Um, do I see J.J. Watt being in you know, the the 90th percentile of of pass rushers next year? No, probably not. Could I see him racking up 10 sacks and 15 tackles for loss? Yeah, definitely. I could see that. Uh, Playing against Chandler Jones, he's not going to have as much attention. He's going to be getting a lot more uh, one-on-ones. And being kind of honest here, the the Cardinals are going to run into some teams with some bad offensive lines. The Seahawks offensive line is just absolutely pitiful. Uh, the 49ers have a good line, but there might be some movement there. Um, the the Rams have a good offensive line. There shouldn't be too much movement there, but I don't know about Whitworth's future. That could change stuff, especially being a tackle. But, I mean, playing the Seahawks twice a year alone is going to help out his numbers a lot, especially if uh, especially if Russell Wilson does end up getting traded. We'll move on to that soon. But if Russell Wilson does end up getting traded and they don't have a, a guy like Russell Wilson that's like mobile and smart, yeah, that could be a catastrophe next season. Um, yeah, Chandler Jones and JJ Watt might combine for eight sacks that game, right? But yeah, I think I think this is a great move for Watt. I'm happy to see him move out of Houston. Um, he's probably overpaid, but I'll never complain about a player getting overpaid because I would rather the player have the extra few million dollars than the owner. Um, salary cap sport, it's a little bit more difficult to make the argument uh, because you could be hurting your team. But as individual players go, I'm on the players. I don't want them to make as much money as possible. Um, and I think it's safe to say that the majority of people are cheering for J.J. Watt. I mean, he's just a great human being. All of the stuff that happened with the Houston floods and the hurricanes and all this other stuff, he's the type of guy that you know that everyone roots for because he's the type of guy who's just a great human being. Like he doesn't – whenever – yeah, he might tear up your team on Sunday – but like, then you see the stuff that he does. He did for the city of Houston during the hurricane. You see the amount of uh, work he puts into the communities to better it. The type of time he spends in the community to try and make it better and give back. That's the type of guy that everyone can you know root for. Everyone can like get on board with cheering for. And I mean, if we're just being honest, JG Watt in from that stretch from 2012 to 2015 when he won three Defensive Player of the Year awards in four years. That was just dominant. Like that was so fun to watch. Like I don't think anybody would be upset about having to re- like watch that type of run again. He's not. He's not going to do that again. 
But, I mean, like, that run that JJ had, the run where, I mean, think about it. We, we ha- we've we never seen anything like that before, where this dude's just showing up. I'm about to go pull up his exact stats over that time period right now. But, bro, the run, I mean, winning three Defensive Player of the Year awards in four years, it's just unheard of. He's tied for the most Defensive Player of the Year awards in a career, and he did that in just four seasons. So looking at his run from those years, uh, four years in a row, first team all pro. And then he ran into some injuries. He had 2012, 20 and a half sacks, and 39 tackles for loss, both of the league. 2013, 10 and a half sacks. So, you know, it was a down year, 22 tackles for loss. Okay, you know, a, a down year, so first team all pro. Um, 2014, 20 and a half sacks, 29 tackles for loss. 2015, 17 and a half sacks, 29 tackles for loss. Oh, and also in these years, he had quarterback hits of 43, 46, 51, and 50. These are like video game numbers. These aren't real numbers. And then you hit 2016, he only plays three games because of injury. 2017, only plays five games because of injuries. 2018, fully healthy, 16 games, makes first team all pro again with 16 sacks. And you know, 18 tackles for loss. 2019, can't really stay healthy, only plays eight games. And then last season he played all 16, but he just really wasn't himself. He was still kind of hurt. He was getting double teamed a lot. And then, you know, oh, he still really wasn't himself, but then you see, oh, he had one of the best pass rush win rates in the NFL. Yikes. I I feel like every single player in the NFL – I guess not every single player, but you know, the vast majority of players in the NFL would love to be quote, not himself talent level of what JJ Watt is whenever he's quote, not himself. Um, I, I still like, I'm making a point here so bad talking about how I still think he can be good. I just don't like the 15 and a half million dollars per year. I mean, the Cardinals came out of nowhere. Everybody thought, you know, like, oh, like he might, he's going to go to Pittsburgh and play with his brothers. And it was like, oh, well, he can go to Buffalo. Like he loved, like he loves what they're doing up there in Buffalo. He can be that piece that they're missing to make a Super Bowl. Or he can go to Tennessee and play with Vrabel. Like he loves Vrabel, um, his time with, with the Texans. And like the Texans really are like a pass rusher or two away from like being like a dominant team. Like you can go there, you'd be that piece. Oh, he can go to Cleveland. He can team up with Miles Garrett. Like they're a pass rusher away from being, you know, like a Super Bowl contending type team. And then, or even Green Bay, like, oh, he's from that area. Like, he wants to play there. Like, he can go join a team that was, you know, if we're being honest here, a penalty call away from going to the Super Bowl last year. So, yeah, like, these were all his, his options. And then it's like, oh, he's going to the most crowded division in the NFL. Okay, that's a little, it's a little unexpected. Oh, and it's the Cardinals. Um, Okay. But the NFC West now is stacked. Like, I, I honestly have no idea who's going to win it. I I kind of, I was talking about this the couple podcasts ago whenever the Super Bowl, like the way too early Super Bowl odds came out. And I said that the Niners Super Bowl odds just looked juicy. Like, it just like was begging me to like get some of that because you're talking about a team that was an overthrow away to win the Super Bowl, came back to the same team next year, and just everybody was injured. And then going into next season, they'll have the pretty much the exact same team that they were an overthrow away from winning the Super Bowl with. So that's some pretty good money there. I probably say the 49ers. 
especially if they do make a move for a quarterback like they're talking about making a move for. Um, but if they improve from Jimmy Garoppolo, man, watch out. But you have all four of the teams in the AFC West right now. I could see winning the division, and I could definitely see all four of them making the playoffs. Obviously, all four of them won't make the playoffs, but I think three of them will. Um, if Seattle gets rid of Russ, they're going to be the odd man out. But as of right now, it's probably still the Cardinals as the odd man out. Um, they're going to have to do more. I, I'd i like love Russ Wilson so much. And if he wasn't on the Seahawks, that Seahawks team has so many holes that he covers up every single week. And I guess we can transition this into like the Russell Wilson talk. Russ just wants out. I give it another week or two before it's like a full-on like demanding of a trade. Um, it's just, it's just time. Like he's had enough. He's, he's tired of getting hit. He, he's ready to move on. Uh, the reports came out of the teams that he would be interested in going to kind of touched on this last week. You know, uh, I think a really interesting option here could be just a straight up quarterback swap with maybe a pick or two attached, um, with Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. I would, that would be pretty interesting to me if they could pull that off. Like, you know, like both these guys are so talented, but like, you know, just need to change scenery here. Um, it would benefit Russ a lot because Russ is going to a lot better situation. He uh, He's going to have a better offensive line. He's going to have the best running back he's ever played with in his career in Ezekiel Elliott. And then his wide receiver core. I mean, his, his, his receivers aren't really necessarily the problem in Seattle. I mean, he has DK and Tyler Lockett. Um, the rest of the crew is kind of spotty. But, I mean, going to Dallas, his receiver core would be even better. I mean, it's not as top-heavy because you don't have DK Metcalf, but you still have Cooper, you have C.D. Lamb, you have Michael Gallup. All three of those guys are very good receivers. I think C.D. Lamb is going to be a superstar in this league. Uh, he was actually my top receiver coming out of college in last year's draft. And, yeah, he – I mean, his games with Dak Prescott were just crazy. He was putting up numbers, like, first couple games into the NFL. Dak gets hurt. Andy Dalton comes in. It's not the same because, I mean, no offense to Andy Dalton, but you just knocked Dak Prescott. And then Andy Dalton gets hurt. You got uh, Danucci. Ben Danucci was playing all kinds of just random guys that you just, yeah, just guys that shouldn't be playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, obviously, as a Saints fan, I want Russell Wilson in New Orleans. Bad. Um, I think if you add a Russell Wilson to the Saints team, you're winning the Super Bowl. Um, I saw... For the Saints, if we could do three picks, I mean three first-round picks, like Andrus, Pete, and like a third, I would do that in an absolute heartbeat. I saw some someone said two first, um, Eric McCoy, who's the center in the Saints. If you're not a Saints fan, I'm sorry. And um, like another player or another pick could get it done, which I would love that. I just really want to get Pete off of this team, though, because getting rid of him would also be – a plus to this team because he's just not great and he's pretty he's he's overpaid let's let's say that but he just loves to find a way to put his butt in the ground that's like his favorite thing in the history of the world is like his butt hitting the ground that's that's just what he lives for that's what he breathes and dies for that's Andrews Pete's motto but yeah if they could somehow make a move for Russ I would be ecstatic um I mean teams that are honestly a quarterback away you can look at Chicago you can look at Miami uh, you look at the 49ers, Saints. There's just a few teams uh, just kind of off the top of my head that like if they add a quarterback of that caliber, they're probably winning the Super Bowl next year or they become 
very, very, very serious Super Bowl contenders. Uh, lastly, before the Chase 4K interview, I want to talk about the Sean Watson situation. Houston Texans, let Deshaun Watson go. Let him go. Just let him go. You you don't need him. You're terrible. You're not going to be good anytime soon. Just let that man go, please. He doesn't want to be there. You don't really want him there, for being honest. You've treated him like absolute poop, crap, whatever you want to say. It is just a messy situation. And just let him go. You don't actually want him there. All you're doing, you're he's talking about sending out the entire season if you don't trade him. So what are we going to do now? You're just going to find him for all these games and this you're just going to make everybody pissed? Because if you do this with Deshaun, if you go down this road that it looks like y'all are about to go down, you can kiss any chance of you ever having a superstar on your team again goodbye. It will never happen. A superstar will never go there in free agency ever again because they see the way you're treating this person right now. Nobody will ever go there again, and it will set back your franchise by 10 years. Also, Deshaun Watson, if he stays for the length of his contract, I think let's let's look up the exact amount of years he has left. I still don't think y'all have enough time during that time frame to come back and be a successful team or playoff or Super Bowl caliber team, even with him playing. Even with him playing. You were that bad. You were that run dry, and you have no picks to fill anything. Let's see. He has three years left and then an opt-out, but she's going to opt-out. Do you really think that the Houston Texas Texans can be a competitive football t- team in three years? Three years. Essentially two drafts and two free agent classes because he'll opt-out after that third year. He's not waiting around to see. I don't. They don't have any picks. They don't have any money. Now, like, let's let's actually look up the draft picks that the Texans do have. Let's see, looking forward to it. 2021 draft picks for the Houston Texans. They have a third, two fourths, a fifth, three sixths, and a seventh. Is that going to rebuild your franchise? No. Now, let's go to 2022, if I can find that. Let's see, 2022. You have a first, second, third, fourth, two fourths. A fifth, six, and two sevenths. Is one first, one second, and I don't even know. Like it's it's just is this really enough to get this done? I don't I don't think so. You know what can help reboot your draft? I mean, you know what can help reboot your team in a hurry? Getting four first round picks for them and you know, a couple players. Getting three first round picks and a couple players accepting that uh, that godfather offer from the Panthers where it's Brian Burns, Christian McCaffrey, uh, DJ Moore, and three first and a second. Like, that's how you could rebuild that team pretty quickly. Or, I mean, instead of DJ Moore, like uh, Jeremy Chen. All of a sudden, you're getting two playmakers on defense. You're getting one of the best running backs in the NFL, which I wouldn't want in the trade if I'm the Texans, for the record, because... Yeah, we don't need to go through the why running backs aren't valuable thing, but I really wouldn't want him if I'm Texans, but people see value in him. Um, I would prefer to have like a DJ Moore type or, you know, maybe an offensive lineman or something like that. But you trading for a $20 million running back and, you know, for the seasons where you're not going to be good, probably not the best idea. But whatever floats your boat, you might flip McCaffrey for something else, you know. But turning down three first round picks, a third rounder, and Brian Burden, Jeremy Chen, 
plus something else. You know, if it's McCaffrey or you say, no, I don't want McCaffrey. I want another second. And Panthers probably say, that's cool. Wipe your hands of it and give you that. I would rather that than make Deshaun Watson suffer here for three years and just never play. And yeah, just avoiding the entire messy situation altogether. You get the good PR. People love you because you finally got rid of Deshaun. Now you waited too long. People are going to hate you when you do give it them up regardless. So you kind of just you kind of just dug yourself into a giant pit. And the new GM, I'm letting you know now, dude, this ain't New England. This stuff is not going to fly. So you better figure your stuff out or it's going to get ugly in a hurry. All right, moving on to a little bit, you know, lighter topic. Uh, we can kind of transition now into the interview. Um, it was a great interview with Chase. Uh, hopefully he can come back on soon. We had probably... I don't even know. We probably talked for 20 minutes before the interview started and then stay talking for 20 to 30 minutes after the interview ended. So yeah, I've, I've kind of been doing this a little bit too much with my guests lately. I need to uh, maybe record a little bit longer uh, some of these stuff, some of the conversations we had, but uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. I'm going to let you transition into that now and listen to it. And I mean, let me know what you think. All right, guys, we're back here with a very special guest, uh, former Nickel State quarterback, and I guess... Pursuing NFL career, Chase Forcade. Chase, how we doing? I'm doing great, man. You know, appreciate you having me on your show, man. It's, uh, you know, time's flying. You know, last four years being a Nickel State quarterback, but uh, you know, after the outside looking in, it's been going great. Yeah. So, what you been up to nowadays? You know, man, nothing much, bro. Just uh, you know, you know, I was working for Amazon and uh, I was delivering for Amazon, and actually, you know, Coach Evo hit me up. Uh, Right before the season, you know, asked me to help out, and you know, I'm I'm helping out with the football team best way I can. You know, just you know, like talking to the players, you know, helping out with the players, just doing everything I can to uh, to have this team successful. Are you still training to, uh, you know, yeah. potentially get a training camp invite or something yeah. like that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've been talking with my agent. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, with me not having a pro day and me not going through the, the regular process, uh, you know, it's been tough at times, but. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, I've been working hard every single day, growing my receivers three days out the week, uh, working out in the weight room three, four days out the week, and uh, just maintaining my workout. And uh, that's what I've been doing for about a year now since, uh, you know, all the COVID started. But uh, other than that, man, everything's been going great. That's actually what I was going to touch on next, actually, was uh, about how the uh, your draft process, I guess, would have went differently with COVID and stuff. Yeah. I know you did pro day. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to go to the regional combine or anything like that. Nah. So uh, I think this is the first class to ever experience something like this. Um, you know, with COVID happening, uh, you know, we didn't have a, a normal pro day like every other college has. Uh, you know, we usually have a local pro day. And, uh, we, you know, we just didn't have that type of stuff due to COVID. And, uh, you know, the draft started. So I had about three, four, you know, NFL scouts hit me up before the draft. Uh you know, just trying to, you know, get a training camp invite, trying to get something. To, but, you know, that with the restrictions and the protocol, it just it wasn't, you know, they weren't able to have that happen. And I understood. But uh, that's why I just continue to work hard, keep throwing, you know, doing everyday workouts, uh, you know, stay ready. Trying to grind. Always, man. That's all I do. And uh, so, so it always. What teams, have been, uh, what teams have you been uh, talking to lately then? Uh, no teams lately. Uh, you know, like I said, before the draft, I had the, you know, the Washington football team, you know, uh, contact my agent, uh, scout from the Chargers contact me, you know, a guy from the Jets. But, uh, you know, for them not to be able to see me in person at my pro day uh, was tough. But, uh, 
you know, like I said, I, think, I, think, I just think that's an obstacle that I got to overcome, and that's what I've been doing. And, you know, my, my time's coming, so I just got to stay ready. Right. Uh, maybe a little less depressing news now we can move to. Uh, your time in Nichols was, <laughs> yeah. was honestly spectacular. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you're arguably one of the best players in the conference's history. Finished second all-time in total yards. Uh, broke every Nichols record ever. So, I mean, I guess uh, just talk about, like – Talk about, I mean, how many times did you win Offensive Player of the Year? Twice? Uh, I won Player of the Year my junior year, and I won Offensive Player of the Year my senior year. Right. Like, that's that's, that's the type of stuff uh, that's, like, crazy, unheard man. of. Yeah. That's, but, um, you know, uh, being the type of person I am, uh, I never really looked at it as that. I just looked at it as, uh, you know, just a football player just doing my job. And, uh, you know, I think I, I got called to, you know, become the quarterback for this university, at a, you know, as a freshman, a true freshman. And I had to take that responsibility every year. And, you know, there was times where I didn't really understand my position. There was times where, you know, I was putting the blame game on everybody else but myself. But, uh, you know, I actually really self-evaluated myself. And, uh, you know, my journey here has been uh, it's been incredible, man. It's been amazing. Uh, you know, from the guys I met, the coaches I met, to the players, brothers for life, uh, all that plays a role in my four years of, you know, successful four years at Nickel State. Talk about a little bit of the difference. Obviously, when you came to Nichols, Nichols wasn't much on the football side. And then by the time you left, you built a, you know, top 10, top 15 program, the FCS. So talk about uh, kind of building up with the program to set a new standard. Definitely, uh, you know, just from my true freshman year, you know, Nichols wasn't on the map, man. And, you know, that was just a team in the, in the South of Commerce that kind of every school kind of blew by, blew past by. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to be that team where, you know, Guys, remember us. Guys, remember uh, Nickel State. Guys, remember coming to the Thibodeau and, uh, you know, guys coming to Thibodeau and know that, you know, when you come to Thibodeau, you know, it's, it's going to be a fight. And uh, I think that's what I changed. Well, not I, but I think we as a team changed over, you know, the last four years that, you know, Nickel is a tough football team that never quits. And, you know, it's going to show up every Saturday. And uh, that's what we did. And, you know, teams kind of hated us. But, hey, you know, we, we got two rings and I don't really care about them, man. So, uh you know, like I said, we just did our job every week. Uh, you know, at times there was games that we lost, but at the same time we learned from them and we overcame it. And, uh, you know, we came out on top at the end. Was this something uh, – I, I see you spoke on, like, toughness and stuff. Was that more of a Rebo-type focus? Was that something you brought along? Was it a collaborative effort or uh, – You know, I, I think it's both. Uh, you know, being with Coach Rebo, you know, him, him being the head coach of this football team, he has to mold everybody to have that mindset. And – uh you know, me being the quarterback, as I have, that's my position of, you know, everybody coming on board, everybody being on board. I'm going to the same, going to the, the same direction. And, uh, you know, that's, I wasn't that vocal leader, but at the same time, I led by example of, uh, you know, how, how serious I took my work, how serious I took my play and how serious I took my position. And uh, I think all that, you know, played a role in just, like I said, how successful we were the last four years and continuing this success through the in the future so uh, I'm looking forward to you know how Nichols is coming coming up and uh you know I think they're ready right I mean your junior and senior year I mean you led them from I don't know a couple win season to winning playoff games in back-to-back years uh talk a little bit about your time uh, I know y'all went up you traveled up to North Dakota State uh your junior year what was that game like I mean they're kind of a powerhouse yeah, so that, that was actually my uh, – that was my senior year. We, we traveled up to North Dakota State. Uh, junior year was east of Washington. But, uh, look, that was a great team. Uh, I think that's a team where, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of teams are trying to get at uh, at the same time. But, you know, what I mean by that is 
you know, as a team that, you know, doesn't make mistakes. Uh, you see at Trey Lance, he had, he had zero picks his whole, you know, his whole career at, at, uh, at North Dakota State. And it shows, you know, undefeated national champs. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we, we came up short. But, uh, you know, a good team like that, you can't make turnovers. We had three turnovers and, you know, we eventually lost about two touchdowns. So stuff like that, that just can't happen. But, you know, playing a team like that, you know, it was great. But at the same time, I know, I know what Nichols is capable of and I know that, you know, we could definitely, you know, if we play them again, you know, it would definitely be a different outcome. So would that be like the best football environment you've been in or like the loudest? Uh, nah, nah, nah. I, uh, Georgia, my first game as a true freshman, uh, that was 93,000. Yeah. And then we and then we played Texas A&M my, my sophomore year, and uh, it was about 100,000. Y'all took Georgia to the ropes, huh? Yeah, yeah, we lost by two points. Uh, you know, we just watched the film today. It was 26-17, and then uh, – you know, we scored to make it 26-24, and then third and eight, Nick Chubb runs it for a first down, and that was it. So we did hold, held him to his lowest career yards at Georgia, but uh, I think they remember us, and I think they understand, you know, how well we were. Yeah, and then what was the A&M game like? I don't actually remember the A&M game. Yeah, we lost by, I think, seven or ten or something like that, but, you know, it was a, it was a close game throughout the whole, the whole game. You know, we fumbled inside the 30. But uh, you know, we after that after that fumble, we came back. I threw a touchdown, and uh, you know, kind of was about a 14-13 game throughout the throughout the whole game. Then they cut it loose in the fourth, and then we lost like 27-17, maybe 27-20, something like that. But uh, close game. I saw more here, but uh, like I said, all those were just learning experience for just how well Nichols is today. Yeah, I mean, y'all have SEC teams sweating, and then. My freshman year here was your senior year. Y'all opened up Kansas State week one, week two. Yeah. I'm yeah, running head won. around campus, running, talking yeah. on Twitter. Hey, Nichols about to bring it to y'all. Y'all ain't going to stop us, Big 12 defense. What happened, yeah, bro? You let me down. Yeah, hey, you know, uh, like I said, that coach came from North Dakota State. Uh, I just think we were young during that time, uh, you know, and, and both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, they, 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 they brought it to us, you know, the first, first half. And uh, like I said, man, that was just a – I think that just had open open our eyes because we had a bye week the next week, and then you know we went on to play Prairie View A&M, and we're down twenty one six at half. So you just kind of something that kind of put us, you know, just what we need to plan for in the future and where we're at as a team as of right now. Bro, Kansas State fans were in my mention that entire night because I was on their Twitter like talking head because yeah. that's whenever I was reporting for the football team. So then right. uh, next time, whenever they ended up beating Oklahoma that year. So I'm at All like right. tailgates and stuff. Oh no, they legit. They legit. They could play. Yeah, they are. They 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 did. Uh, Jalen Hurt. They did beat uh, Oklahoma that year. And like I said, that 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 was a tough, disciplined team that we played against, and they weren't making any mistakes. But uh, yeah, man, it was like I said. You know, we I know we lost bad, but at the same time, I think a lot of guys understood what we had, what we needed, what what we needed to get done, and that's what we did, man. Right. Um. So kind of talking back to you for a second. Uh, what do you think your best weapon is as a quarterback? One thing set you apart. Uh, I'm a hard worker. Uh, you know, past four years, you know, I've been having my receivers at every practice throw three to five, six routes. I know they kind of didn't like that at first, but I think it's something that we needed to just get the timing going. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I just kind of, kind of just let my play talk, man. I don't really talk about just, you know, how well or how good or whatever I am it's just look I do my job and I do it the, I feel like I do it the right way I take it serious and uh you know I think it shows on Saturdays and you know eventually Sundays of 
how well I can carry a team, how well I can, you know, put a team together and win. And, you know, also being a winner, and that shows us, you know, how well a quarterback is with his position, how he treats his position, and all that shows. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of traits that come with the quarterback position, but at the same time, it's it's the player at the same time that's showing, you know, how hard he can work. You know, I hate how humble you are sometimes. I used to feel this way, too, <laughs> back whenever I couldn't say anything. Yeah. But uh, you see, now I'm going to pose a question to you. I'm going to make you pick a trait. Which feels yeah. better? What uh, Dropping a 50-yard, you know, dropping the bucket touchdown pass or running over a linebacker at the goal line? I think, yeah, definitely dropping off a 50-yard touchdown over the shoulder. I think that's – I think it feels a little bit better because, I, I mean, a lot of guys, when they see me run, it's kind of like, oh, why is Chase running? But it's something that I just – like I said, I love to do, but well, you, you know why yeah. they say that? Because they know you're not going to slide. Right, that's the thing. So when I when I do slide, I'm always short of the first down. So kind of just got to lower the shoulder and you know talk a little smack after. But I mean, why do you that, hate sliding so much? Like every time I see you, I'm like, oh, like he's about to run through somebody's face. I mean, yeah. it wouldn't hurt to mix in a slide. It's like a salad. Like you can mix one in every now and then. Yeah, it's just I think it's the the time or just the situation I'm in. That's kind of like. Yeah, I need to slide here, or uh, yeah, I need to just need to get this first down. I need to just run this guy over, or just lower my shoulder a little bit. But uh, yeah, man, I just like I said, yeah, I definitely rather a fifty-yard touchdown pass. But I rather a fifty-yard touchdown pass to win the Southern Conference than me running somebody over. Oh, uh, you can't add in the little thing on the back end there. Yeah, you hey. can't add when you added it on the back. Plus, that's like nothing to you. That's like Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl. You're right. I mean, <laughs> Tom Brady's the goat. Tom Brady's the goat. Oh yeah, we already had that interaction on Twitter. We don't have to do that again. Oh. Definitely. <laughs> so, did you play like baseball or anything growing up? I did. I did play baseball. Uh, so it's not a lack of ability. It's just like a choice. Yeah, I did. You know, I played baseball my freshman year in high school, all the way up to my senior year in high school, and then I chose football in college. So, but I think I can still swing it. Okay. Play play catcher and I you know like I said I played catcher four years as a catcher and I feel like that that type of leadership that you need as a catcher position kind of translates over to being a quarterback of a football team uh you know all that relates and all that uh kind of you know I'm not you kind of see everything quarterback you see everything catcher you see everything everybody on the field what they're doing the calls you got to make on either situation you know all that takes a toll on you know the, the position that 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 position has yeah, I mean, that's like your boy Tom. He was uh, drafted by the Expos, played catcher. Yep, as a catcher, he did. And uh, um, my dad played My dad played catcher, too, as well. So he got drafted out of high school as well. But And he ended up going to play at Ole Miss. Okay. How long did he yep. play at Ole Miss? He played four years, and then he played uh, one year with the Saints. And then, you know, my uncle played at Ole Miss as well. And he played six years, six or seven years with the Saints as well. But, uh, yeah, they, they went to Ole Miss back in the day. A Rebels fan. I was going to actually talk about that, uh, the impact of the, uh, I guess, just like football in your blood, like with your dad and your uncle uh, playing for the Saints and stuff like that. Like how has that impacted you? Uh, you know, just football has been in my blood since I think I was born maybe. Uh, you know, I had a great family that just, uh, I'm not going to say molded me into just always being around football. It's just of who we were. Uh, you know, I had, a, like I said, a dad that, Played football his whole life. My uncle had played in the NFL. Uh, you know, my mom loves it. My mom was athletic. I'm not going to say she was that athletic, but, you know, she was – she held her ground. But, uh, you know, my brother, you know, he's, a, you know, a football coach, and 
he kind of like, you know, starting in, in high school, you know, we're going to do workouts at a playground in Metairie uh, three or four days a week. Uh, I did that since I was a freshman in high school. And, but, uh, but yeah, man, I just always been around football my whole life. Uh, kind of, I love football. I love the game of football. I, I think I, I learned something new every day about it. And uh, that's why I think that's what's so unique about it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a great game. Not only just X and O's, it's about life. It's about uh, meeting new guys, meeting new people from all over, color, race, skin, gender, it don't even matter. It's a, it's, a, it's a game of football. It's a game that, like I said, it's just unique, man. Just a lot of, a lot of guys love it. So they had you in the film room at like six years old. Uh, I remember I was on a clear retire at seven, but uh, my dad was kind of showing me something when I was little because he used to coach this little thirteen-year-old uh, team, and uh, you know I was just always around. I was always you know messing with the dummies, uh, messing with the pads, hitting the hitting the older kids with the pads. Just always just aggravating them. Just always just standing around football, and that's all I. Like I said, that's all. It's it's all what I've been about, and. Uh, yeah, man, like I said, I just love it. So uh, a lot of people may not know this. Didn't you play high school ball with Jamar Chase? I did. I did. I actually talked to Jamar a couple of days ago. I mean, okay, so <laughs> how, how much younger is he than you? He's uh, what's it called? He, so I was, a, so yeah, so I was a senior when he was a sophomore. And uh, a lot of guys might not know this, but I think I knew that he was going to be Jamar Chase how he is today when he was a sophomore. He just That's, had it. He had a different, uh, you know, he had a different mentality as a, a normal sophomore would have. You know, right what I mean? as a fifteen-year-old out there saying, "Oh, that guy's going to be in the NFL one day." Exactly. Just the way he ran routes, just the way he uh, came about every day. You know, he's a starter on a on a varsity team that was number one in the state during the time. Uh, you know, just like I said, just in the way he handled himself, he was humble, humble as can be, just how he is now. Uh, just a great guy to be around. You know, I threw I threw like three touchdowns to him one game, and I could just, I could just tell just by the way, he, just like I said, runs routes. He's like six two during the time, and you know, just built built like Jamar is today. And you know, that was a sophomore. You know, it's just uh, stuff like that. Just kind of you could tell that you know this kid got it, and uh, you know what he did at LSU. You know what he's going to do in the NFL. It's just going to be uh, something that that I'm uh, that I'm not going to be like wow or shocked about it. it's just something i'm like yeah this is jamar chase and yeah, this that's is just jamar chase doing. and this is jamar chase in, in high school and you know it, yeah man like i said just a great player great great guy great family he grew up with and it's just uh like i said i wish nothing but the best for him well now we got to hear your best jamar chase story sounds like you should have a few uh let's see played saint Og in the rain uh, my senior year, he's a sophomore. Uh, we ran I forgot, we, some route that we put in for him, and this dude just beat the guy out the ball, and I threw a nice ball to him on the outside shoulder, and he scored, slipped the tackle and scored. Then I came back like about three series later. He ran a corner route, and I just kind of just dropped it in the bucket, and you know it was in the rain, so it was raining, and we were still throwing the ball. I don't know how we were doing it, but yeah, man, he's just like I said, you know, it's never. You know, he was younger than me, so I never really hung out with him in high school. But, you know, every time I see him, you know, I saw him at the Oklahoma LSU game in the semifinals. And, you know, we took uh, shook hands, man, talked for a little bit. And, and uh, you know, Christian as well. Christian Foden went to Rumble. And, I, like, Christian. So, Christian He's Foden, more your age, though, right? Yeah, yeah. We graduated together. Yeah. So, uh, he, he got me and 
friend I was with, uh, you know, we went to the we went to the game together in uh, Atlanta, and uh, you know, he gave me the tickets. I met up with his dad, and you know, after the game, I saw him and a couple of buddies that I, I went to school with that were on the team, and you know, we took a picture, man. We hung out, and you know, after we went out and just you know had a good time, man. It was just like I said, we we all family, and no matter you know, you could be the highest of the highest or the lowest of the lows, you know, like being at Rumble, you know, we always family and, uh, you know, we always talking just every chance we can get. And, you know, that's what's so you know, like so unique about the, the friends I have and, and, the, and the guys I met. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like they need to size you up for a rank. They do. They do. <laughs> they do. Cause I was there for the for that Oklahoma game and there was a slugfest and, you know, it was just yeah. unbelievable being there. And uh, yeah, it was a, like I said, just a fun weekend. Yeah, that was more of a JJ kind of game than a Jamar game. It must You're be right. nice, right? It must be nice to throw to Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall, yeah. and Justin Jefferson. Oh yeah, Thad Moss is on the field. Man, just and Clyde cool. Edwards running the ball. Just hey, it's now that you can get better than that, obviously, right? Right. It's it's it was an embarrassment of riches to say the least. Um, so back to you. <laughs> we kind of keep drifting away. Um, would you ever be open to changing positions if a team asks? Uh, look, if a team asks, and you know, it's it's a chance for me to get into a training camp, no doubt. But uh, I just think my position is uh, quarterback. I think that's something I take pride in. I think uh, who I was last, I say, seven years of playing quarterback as a, you know, on a varsity and college level. I think it shows of you know the capabilities that I can do with myself. And uh, yeah, man, it's just uh, look if they want me to, you know, go block a a, a shade or a nose tackle. Look, I'm doing it. I'm going to put all into it. But, hey, it's just the guy I am. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, if they do ask me to change position, hey, I'll do it. But at the same time, I think my, my position is quarterback. And that's, like I said, that's what I've been working on for 20 – well, I'm 23 years old. So, 16 years I've been working on being a quarterback. And uh, right. I, t- I take pride in that and about uh, – that's what, like I said, just something that I enjoy playing. So, something like you uh... – you obviously want to be a quarterback if a team approached you and said, hey, come play tight end. You'd be like, okay, I'll do it to get on the train. I'll do it to get in the building. Hey, I'll get on the building. I'll do it. And, uh, yeah, man, just the player I am, the person I am, uh, you know, I'll do anything for somebody. And, uh, you know, it's just, like I said, just the, just the person I am, man. Humble as can be. Uh, kind of just let my play talk and uh, just do my job. Right. Um. So kind of last question to wrap up here. Something I'd ask all of my guests. So if you can go back in time and relive any sports moment in history, whether it's your own moment, reliving it, watching it from the stands of anything else that's ever happened in sports history, what are you picking? Sports history. I mean, I have a couple. I have a couple, man. I got that I'm that I'm not involved in. I got I want the the 18 and 0 Patriots to, to beat the Giants in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. I would love that. I needed that. Cause that was by far, I mean, look, much respect to the Mans. I love them all. Oh yeah, but that's your boys. He, you see him every year, yeah, huh? I do, I do. But Eli Manning, gotta be by far the luckiest guy I ever I ever seen. You a Tom Brady fan? How can you? <laughs> they both they both pretty lucky now. Let's be honest. Hey, they are. I mean, hey, look, it takes luck at that. You know, at that level, it does take you know a little bit of luck. But at the same time, it's just like back to back plays of just you know throws that bomb to practical birds on the sidelines, and he comes back and throws that hail mary. Well. Not a Hail Mary, but it's just a ball that uh, Harrison just couldn't deflect. But that was just one of my events. Uh, the second one is my state championship my senior year. Uh, we lost by three. Uh, if I can get that back, 
I would definitely uh, do a lot of stuff different that whole week, not overlook them. Because um, we were number one in the state during the time. And, you know, Just number Catholics, one all year. We was. So my, my, at Roma, we was, uh, my high school, my freshman year, we went undefeated, one state. I didn't play. My sophomore year, I was my, I was my first year starting. Uh, we won state. And then my junior year, we was eighth in the nation, lost in the semis. If I could get that back, I would definitely want to get that back. Two, my senior year, we lost in state by three to Catholic. So we lost to Clyde Edwards Alaire in my senior year. He was a running back for Catholic. Right. And, uh, Crazy game, but yeah, if I I'll get that back, I'll get the Jets of the week back. Uh, I'll get the East of Washington game back my junior year. We should have beat them, and then North Dakota State my senior year. We should have beat them, but hey, like I said, there's stuff. There's a lot of stuff I can get back, but I can tell you, we haven't heard that, those yet. Those are the ones that just stuck in my head personally, personally. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, it's just uh, but I mean, it's stuff that I learned from and stuff that made me who I am today, and. Like I, like I said, those are stuff that I enjoyed in that moment. But at the same time, it's just like, wish I can get it back. But, hey, it is what it is, and, hey, I'm living with it. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for giving us your time. Always. No, man, I appreciate it. Good luck with all your future endeavors. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. A very special thanks to Chase for coming on. Uh, I really enjoyed doing the interview with him. Uh, let me know what you think. You can go uh, find my Twitter or Couch Fanatic Twitter at, at Couch Fanatic. You can find me at, at no underscore domain on Twitter. And honestly, just give me some feedback, which you thought of the interview. Um, and again, go check out Chase. You can find him on you know Twitter and Instagram, Chase4Cade. And you know, go give him a follow. Go, uh, go give him some support for coming on the program. But kind of move on now. We're going to talk uh, AL East Division Preview because... Yeah, because I'm a Red Sox fan. That's really why we're doing it first. But also, every like site, it has ALEs first. So it's not it's not too much homerism. So let's kind of go through. We're going to go team to team. Um, I'm going to go through the teams in alphabetical order just to, yeah, just to kind of just to kind of make it a little bit easier before I kind of do the predictions at the end. So first off, the Baltimore Orioles. Yep, that's all we <laughs> that's all we really got to say about the Orioles, right? They're not they're not really going to be competing for anything this year. They're going to be the bottom of the division. Uh, they're still rebuilding. There is one. Let me phrase that. There are two things on the Orioles right now that I have my eyes on. Number one, um, the most important Trey Mancini. He's back out there playing after the cancer stuff, which is just wonderful. Uh, the baseball world was pretty shocked whenever. Whenever the cancer stuff kind of came out, I, I mean, obviously, we probably weren't the only ones shocked about that. But, man, it's great to see him back out there. He's out there. He's getting hits in spring training. He's out there having fun. And it's honestly great to see Trey Mancini back out there. Another thing I'm looking forward to seeing is watching John Means pitch. This is a guy who is a legit pitcher. And, I mean, obviously, as you know, like he's made an all-star team. But... I'm very excited to see John Means back out there. I want to see what he is capable of this year. I want to see if he can kind of take that next step. Um, kind of, I'm going to start, I'm going to pull up stats right now. Like 2020, he didn't have the best 2020. Uh, he had a 4-5-3 ERA. Uh, yeah, I know. Cardinals and using using ERA. But it means the ERA plus was right around 100. Uh, his FIP was just bad. It was in the you know, mid-fives. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's vastly different from his rookie season last season when he finished second for rookie of the year and was rocking uh, an ERA plus of 130. So, yeah, I, I want to see John Means take that next step. I want to see him. He's got to lower the FIP because his career FIP's at like a 4-6. Can't have that. Um, Do I think John Means is ever going to be, you know, like a Cy Young Award winner? Probably not. I mean, he's an older guy. He's already 27, but I would like to see him take that next step and, you know, sit around. I feel like he could be a really, really, really good number two in the MLB. I don't know if he'll ever be, you know, ace of the staff, you know, take everybody by control kind of guy, but I could see this guy being a legit number two starter in the MLB, you know, fringe number one type guy. The type of guy that's like, you know, like, oh, he's not the ace on the team, but whenever you run into this team in the playoffs and you're facing this guy in the second game, that's not that's not good. So I want to see him take that next step. And then uh, Aldi Rushman, is he going to make it to the majors this year? Uh, I don't really see a reason why he wouldn't. Uh, He's more than good enough. Uh, Last season kind of being, you know, no, no minor league season. uh, It's definitely gonna, it's definitely gonna affect that. I I think his highest ranking, yeah, his highest, he hasn't played above single A as of now. So, I mean, I'm assuming he'll probably start the season in double A. He'll probably spend, I feel like he could get to the majors pretty quickly. He's definitely good enough. Um, it's going to depend on how much time they want to spend really developing him down there. But, I mean, the kids, he's 23. He's very polished. Coming out of college, he was very polished. He's ready to, he's ready to rock and roll. He's ready to play. So, I guess see him, you know, spending season in double a then right around june getting called up to triple a you know i mean as long as he's performing in double a give him some time to adjust at each level and then him being a september call up come play a little bit and then he's starting catcher for you know the 2022 season i don't really know what the orioles plan on doing with him i haven't really seen anything about that but that would be kind of my guesstimate right now but i also feel like he's the type of player that could skip triple a altogether and skipping skipping triple a altogether really isn't that rare anymore. I mean, it's been pretty common. Uh, Andrew Benatendi, off the top of my head, you know, Rafi Devers, like these are guys who just didn't play in AAA and like they adjusted fine. Um, And if we're being honest here, a lot of times the pure talent in AA is better than AAA because your top prospects are usually in AA um, and many of the top prospects don't spend much time in AAA. AAA, you'll have the more polished guys, right? Like you'll have... The pitching in AAA, it's not going to be, you know, it may not be the 98 with like a, you know, three-foot slider that you could see in AA from seeing a top guy. But, like, those guys know how to pitch. Like, there's a reason why they got to this level. They might not be as talented, but they know how to spot. They know how to pitch. And that's kind of like the differences, right? So, basically, I'm saying this to say you know, the best people really don't need that much time in AAA. And Aldi Rushman is one of these situations where it doesn't really need much time. Moving on, Boston Red Sox. I absolutely love what the Red Sox did this offseason. Um, they didn't go out and get a uh they didn't go out and spend a ton of money to get one guy. Instead, they made a lot of moves where a lot of moves where I think can is gonna be overlooked, right? I think a lot of these moves are gonna be overlooked. And what Heim Bloom's doing right now is the same thing that he did in Tampa, where he's gonna build a team out of a bunch of guys that you've never heard of before. And then all of a sudden they're going to win 86, 87 games this year, get a second wild card spot. I could, I think the Red Sox are going to win between 86 to 88 games this year. No, like seriously, people don't realize how much this team has improved and honestly how good the team was last year. 
Last year, they had one of the best offenses in baseball still. And, you know, they were the fourth worst record in the MLB. It's because they had no pitching. Now their ace from last year is a fringe guy in the starting rotation. Yeah, that's that's how much better they got. I know, I know it sounds crazy, right? But you have, going into it, you have Eduardo Rodriguez coming back. Nathan Evaldi, if he's healthy, which he is, if Nathan Evaldi can stay healthy and Erod can stay healthy and they can pitch every day, that's a great start. You still have Martin Perez. You still have Connor Siebold. You have Matt Andreessis coming in. You know, like these are quality big lead, big league arms. You have Nick Pavetta coming in, who I'm very excited about, Nick, Nick Pavetta. Um, kind of just going through the list, Chris Sale's going to be back eventually. Right. Eventually. He'll be back eventually. He'll be, uh, he'll, he, I'll probably say around late June, July ish. Uh, but he's like the type of guy, like, hey, that's like our trade deadline pickup this year. We're going to be getting Chris Sale back. It's like, whoa, like they just, they just got Chris Sale back. Um, kind of keep going through. They re signed uh, Kevin Pawecki, uh, who, I mean, he was smashing the ball all season. Garrett Whitlock was a Rule 5 draft guy who, Hein Bloom and Alex Cora love, and he has been shoving in spring training so far. Um, Hunter Renfro, I'm very excited about Hunter Renfro. He's going to be able to crush the ball. He's very athletic. He's fast. Uh, Alex Verdugo, obviously still on the team. He, I'm ready to see what the next step looks like for him. I'm very excited to see the next step looks like for uh, Rafael Devers as well. I want to lock both of those guys up long-term before we get into the season. Um, but then you uh, look at the Adam Adovino trade. I mean, that was a huge trade with the Yankees, and we gave up nothing for him, and we got a pretty good prospect with them. So the Red Sox can't make the playoffs. You have a lot of pieces that you can trade off here to acquire more assets. There's a lot of guys who are on one, two-year deals that you know you can trade off if things aren't going well. Uh, Kike Hernandez, we're finally going to have a uh, everyday second baseman. Very excited about that. He's been swinging the bat pretty well. Uh, Cora is a lot more excited about his bat than I am. His gloves awesome. His base range is awesome. The energy ring is awesome. But I need him to. I really, 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 really need him to like figure it out with the bat this season. Garrett Richards, another stat cast guy. People that just love him and Nick Pavetta and all these other guys that they're picking up. People with super high spin rates. You know, good breaking stuff. Uh, just if these guys can stay healthy, if Richards and Evaldi and Pavetta and all these guys that are kind of like fringe guys can stay healthy. And you know, pitch to the best of their ability. This is a playoff team. It's as simple as that. This is a playoff team. Oh, and they signed a guy from Japan who's a reliever who has like a sub two ERA. Yeah, like all of the guys, all of these guys that were starting last year, all of these guys that were, um, you know, playing last year. We we won't be seeing them anymore. These pitchers, like these these. Last season, the Red Sox would legit call people who haven't pitched in five or six years in the MLB, like, hey, you going to come pitch for us tomorrow? Like, legit. They signed Marlon Gonzalez, and, like, we kind of just have a team full of, like, utility guys. I'm very excited to see the type of lineup combinations core is going to be throwing out there every day. It's going to be pretty fun. Um, and then guy we got from the Bentendi trade, uh, quarter, I don't know how to say his name, Franchi. Frankie, yeah, Frankie, Frankie, that's his name. There's a CH in there, kind of throws me off. But Frankie is another guy like Renfro. He's very, very big, very strong, very fast. He's athletic, uh, but he's got to stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, this team's going to go far. 
if the Red Sox can stay healthy and play to the absolute best of their ability, which, you know, can they? I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's 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 hard. I mean, if every team stayed healthy and played to the absolute best of their ability, there'd be a lot better team, right? But I really, really, really believe in this Red Sox team. I don't know why. I'm probably just hyping myself up. But the peripherals on a lot of these pitchers that they brought in is like, like I feel like a kid on Christmas, like staring at like a huge present that my parents got me. Like my jaws on the ground. I'm like, wow, look at that spin rate. Wow, like his fastball spin rate's fat it is more than some people's curveballs. Like this is crazy. Like I'm like, oh, what's this? Like Garrett Richards? Oh wow. And it's like all things that like the average fans like, bro. Like he's got like a four and a half ERA. Like what's the big deal? And then you see like, oh, well, this guy's throwing 98 with. Uh, you know, a 99% uh, spin rate on his fastball and curveball, and then he's also got an 83-mile-an-hour changeup. Like, I am a big, big Garrett Richards fan. I'm a big, big Nick Pavetta fan. I'm a big, big Connor Seabold fan. And they also have Tanner Houck, who looks like the right-handed Chris Sale. Now, I'm not one of the fans that are sold that Chris Tanner Houck's going to be, you know, the next ace of, you know, the world. Like a lot of these fans think they are. A lot of people, are, for some fans of the Red Sox, think that Tanner Houck's the best pitcher on the Red Sox right now. Yeah, I don't know why they think that. Um, putting a little bit too much stock in, you know, two or three starts, but, you know, you do you. He did look nasty. I'm very excited to see what he can do next, but, man, this Red Sox team, I feel like it's going to surprise some people this season. I think I think Heim Bloom and what they're doing right now, him and I think Heim and Alex Core, what they're doing right now, they're going to sneak up on people. And this entire season... Like last season, our biggest weaknesses were arms, uh, you know, just organizational depth, team depth, everything like that, and defense, you know, athleticism. And if you look at the team now, the team's athletic. They can run. Look at the team now. Oh, they got power one through nine. Where'd that come from? You know? Like this team is going to be a good team, and I still haven't even talked about Bobby Dahlbeck yet. But let's move on uh, to the New York Yankees. Bleh, gross. Um, but – Honestly, I, I love what the Yankees did this offseason. Um, re-signed uh, LeMahieu. Uh, Tanaka walked. He went to Japan. He got paid a lot of money. A uh, bunch of Japan, by the way. Traded for uh, Jameson Talion. Love him. I, I think if he, that guy, like, it's it's hard with the injuries and, like, him having cancer and stuff like that to bet on him. But if that dude can come back and pitch to the way that he is capable of pitching and Corey Kluber can bounce back some and pitch – I don't want to say to the way he's capable because the way Corey Kluber has been capable is, you know, multi-time Cy Young award winner. But I mean, if he can give you, you know, number three, number two caliber stuff, all of a sudden this, this team is good. Problem is Corey Kluber has thrown, you know, pretty much no innings in the last two or three years. But honestly, this team, it seems to be very good no matter what, even if they have injuries, but in the playoffs, if Kluber and uh, Talion and, I don't even know who Severino, like they're really, 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 really like betting on bounce backs from a lot of injury prone pitchers. If it works, they could probably win the world series. Not probably. They probably will win the world series. Eh, I don't know if they're as good as the Dodgers. Uh, maybe they're, they're probably right around the Padres, but yeah, I mean, if, but if it doesn't work, it's going to be a first round exit. If they make it like if Kluber and Severino, and uh, Jameson, if they only combine for you know 100 innings, this team legit might miss the playoffs. 
Now, on the flip side, these guys combined for 500 innings, they're going to be a nasty team. That means they're staying healthy. That means they're pitching well. And I saw somebody say, like, this is going to be the year Aaron Judge stays healthy all year. This is going to be the year where Aaron Judge is to the best visibility. He's going to be healthy. He's going to play 158 games. I'm letting you know right now, if Aaron Judge plays 158 games, he's going to win the MVP. Simple as that. I'm not the biggest Aaron Judge fan. It doesn't take a genius to point out that he's one of the top five, you know, ish, most talented players in baseball. When that dude's on with the bat, he is absolutely like you can't pitch to him. And I kind of want to see now a season when you have Aaron Judge and Mike Trout both playing 158 games and both, you know, lighting the world on fire. I want to see like what those numbers look like. And then I want to see how people, um, I want to see how people, you know, choose their MVP from that. Now I lied. If, 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 if Mike Trout, Mike Trout's the best player we'll ever see in the history of the game. But if they, um, I mean, man, if, if they can do that, that would be, that'd be just popcorn watching get time, like popcorn eating time for the, for all the fans watching in baseball, the type of shows they would put on. Um, I love just, I mean, I really do love a lot of what the Yankees did this offseason. I wish they would have signed Jake Odorizzi. Actually, I don't because I want them to lose. But saying like from like an analyst perspective, I would have preferred them sign Jake Odorizzi. At least have one guy behind Garrett Cole that's, you know, guaranteed. Like, you know, don't worry about him because the three guys they have behind him right now, like, yeah, they have high potential, but they are very injury prone. So they're really betting back. They're betting, betting really hard on a bounce back by Luis Severino, by Jamison, by Corey Kluber, and we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, if Severino returns to form, if Kluber returns to form, Jamison returns to form, all of a sudden this team is, you know, lights out. This is a World Series caliber team. They still have a great lineup. They have a great bullpen. Uh, I mean, how many bullpens in baseball could you trade a guy of Adam Adovino's level and still not, and like, and still look at the bullpen and be like, Oh gosh, like oh oh no, that 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 that's not good. <laughs> like they still have uh you know they still have Chapman in the back end. They still have all these other guys in the back end that Adovino was just kind of you know a luxury. He was Lanyap, right? He was just a little extra on top. Like they didn't need Adam Adovino this season to win a World Series. Now it does kind of show what the Yankees think of the Red Sox this year that they just traded him a player of Adovino's caliber. Um, yeah, but. Man, I'm very excited to see this. I'm I want to see if there, I could pick out one performance I want to see. Oh yeah, and Gary Sanchez looks in shape, so yeah, he he's not a, a fat slop anymore. Uh, not ideal for me. Uh, pretty ideal for the Yankees fans though. But I'm very excited to see what Luke Voigt looks like this year. Um, I want to see him do well. Luke Voigt's an awesome dude. He's a funny guy. He's a cool dude. Very down to earth. I want to see what the future has for Luke Voigt this season, and I want to. I'm, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to do a bold prediction for every team. You ready? Luke Voigt is going to hit 40 home runs this year. Yep. 40 home runs for Luke Voigt this year. Um, bold prediction for, I guess we got to go back in time now. Let's see. Baltimore Orioles. They, I mean, I don't even know. They're going to win a game. That's <laughs> pretty, it's pretty bold. It's pretty bold. Um, Let's do it. I think bold prediction for the Red Sox. Xander Bogarts finishes top three in MVP voting. Yeah, 
That's that's pretty bold. Um, Orioles. Um, let's see. I got. Let me let me let me pull up the Orioles roster real quick because that's also like kind of just side note. The Red Sox have been murdering everyone in spring training right now. So not to brag or anything, but if we, you know, we're, we're basically the best team in the history of the world. Uh, they're they're running it up on everybody, and I I love watching spring training games for mainly the pitchers, uh, basically seeing what they're working with, not looking at like the actual stat lines ever, just like kind of like watching them throw. All right, let's see. Pull up the Orioles roster and kind of see what's going on. All right, you ready for this one? Bold prediction. Chris Davis, Chris Davis's OPS is going to be above 700. Yeah, that might be the like the boldest thing I've ever said in my entire life. He... <laughs> Yikes! I want to. I want to go pull up his numbers now because it is just comical. This dude batted one seventy nine in twenty nineteen and then one fifteen in twenty twenty. I mean, batting average, yeah, gross, but still, like, it's comical how bad he is. His OPS in twenty twenty was three thirty seven. He hasn't had an OPS over seven hundred in the last three seasons. His OPS is going to be 700 on the nose this season. That's my bold prediction. Is there anything that shows whatsoever that this um, 35-year-old first baseman is going to have a bounce back? No. But that's the type of bold predictions you get here. Uh, moving on to the... Yeah, let's do the Rays. Because, you know, alphabetical order. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, I hated what you did this offseason. You suck. I don't like it. It's not good. You went to the World Series. You were... I mean, a game away from winning the World Series. You competed with the best team in baseball, like, through and through, game for game, just to get rid of your team. You traded Blake Snell. You got you let Charlie Morton walk, and then you didn't do anything to replace them. Like, what are you doing? Dude, I get it. You're the Rays. You're trying to save money. This is how you do it. You're going to build up a team. It's going to take, you know, 10 years, and then you're going to get to the World Series. And if it doesn't work, oh, you, sh- you tear it down, and then you go again. 10 years of build. Like, what are you doing, Tampa? How do you let Blake Snell and Charlie Morton walk after being a game away from winning the World Series? a game away from winning the World Series, and you tear it down. All of your guys are still young. They're still cheap. They're still under contract, and you get rid of them. Now, were you still probably be good this year? Yes, you're very deep. You still have a ton of pitchers that nobody's ever heard their name of, and they're going to come in and be aces. Yeah, 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 that's what y'all do. I get it. But, man, I am, I am just flustered by your thought process here by what you're trying to do. And like, you know, I do get it. I do. I definitely understand why you did it. But, man, I, man, I, I'm making myself upset. Uh, they resigned Chaz Rowe. Uh, they signed Colin McHugh, so I'm sure they're both going to be amazing again because that's just, you know, what they do. Signed Oliver Drake, Rich Hill. They're all going to be awesome again. Just, yeah, that's just what they do. Like, the they resigned Chris Archer. Like, I'm sure they're going to be fine. I'm sure the Rays are going to be fine. They 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 go get a ton of guys that they um they went get a ton of guys that you know it's just what they do. They go get kind of injury prone guys, guys that can't figure it out, and who just have nasty stuff, and they go make them an aces. But man, I just don't like what they did this season, this off season, man. 
They got you. You can't trade Blake Snell. You can't let. Like I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand like what why you do that. I mean, I get why they did it, but I just don't agree with it. And that's all the time they deserve. Um, let's go bull prediction on the Rays. All right, you ready for this one? Chaz Rowe is gonna have a sub two five FIP. Yeah, I'm a big Chaz Rowe guy. Um, is there? Let's let's look let's look it up. Uh, I I honestly don't really look at like at just kind of like standard stats that much, especially just kind of for fun. Um, oh, never mind. He had a let's see, he had a two five five FIP last season, but before that, his lowest. In the last you know five years or so was about a three. So, all right, it's that's not that's not juicy enough for me. Let's let's do it again. Um, let me pull up the Rays roster real quick, so we can so we can find a nice little friend to uh, <laughs> to talk about to give them a nice bold prediction. We're we're gonna try and do positive stuff. Can't be Randy or Rosarena because I don't know. That's just kind of boring. I mean, I kind of hinted to stuff about what they're going to do uh, with, you know, like Chris Archer and all the other arms that they added. Um, Brandon Lau is going to, Brandon Lau is going to finish top five in the MVP this year. That's my bold prediction for the Rays. Man, I'm going to have way too many people finishing top five or three for the MVP this year. This, this isn't going to be good. Um, I'm probably going to put out a full MLB like preview type prediction thing. Uh, where I state all of my stuff. Um, but yeah, like my, my guessing one, that's probably going to be the week after. So I'll be about two weeks into the season, kind of looking at the calendar. Um, let's see, we have AL East, NL East, AL Central, NL Central, and then opening day would be the AL West. Week into the season, NL West, and then two weeks into the season will be the kind of prediction thing. That's definitely going to help me out a little bit. I didn't really plan for it to happen like this. I just kind of like lost track of the weeks and the time. I wanted the, the last prediction to come out on opening day, and then, yeah, stuff happens. But lastly, the Toronto Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays, I love what you did this offseason. You went out there. You made yourself better. You you did stuff to actually improve your roster. Thank you. You went sign uh, – I mean, you went sign George Springer, obviously – Ignore that. <laughs> they you went you went signed George Springer, uh, kind of trying to pull up all of their moves. Man, the roster, the roster transaction moves for the MLB, it's like someone threw up on a page. Like it's just disgusting to look at. You went signed Marcus Simeon. I'm not the biggest Marcus Simeon type of guy, right? Like he's I'm not the I'm not the biggest Simeon guy, but he's definitely a very valuable player. Uh, he's not a He's not a top three in the MVP type player like he was a couple years ago, but I, I still like that. Um, they picked up Steven Matz. They picked up Tyler Chatwood, Kirby Yates. Like They're making moves this offseason, man, and I love it. I love to see the Blue Jays go after it. I think the Blue Jays are going to finish second in the division. I think it's going to go Yankees. Yankees are going to win about 98 games. Blue Jays, they're going to win about 92. Red Sox, they're going to win about 86 to 88, so we'll go 87. Rays, they're going to win about 82. And then the Orioles are going to finish, you know, pretty low. They're only going to win about, yeah, let's go around 70. So, yeah, the AL East it has a lot of talent. 
Um, I'm kind of just throwing numbers out there. So yeah, I'm sure everybody, there's going to be a lot more wins than what should really happen for out there. But I, I, I love what the Blue Jays did this offseason. Uh, they went get a lot of talent. They picked up. I love the Chatwood. I really, really, really love the Chatwood uh, signing. I think he can be very good. Um, I feel like Chatwood's the type of guy that if he would have signed with, you know, a an Astros or maybe a Rays, that everybody would be freaking out saying, like, wow, like they're about to turn this guy into something. So I, I like that. Um, Steven Matz, I like that move. That's going to be another quality arm for them. Um, and then you all of a sudden, like, you kind of, like, look at the Blue Jays, kind of just, like, looking at the Blue Jays' um, roster and, like, their rotation and everything like that right now. Let's see, let's pull it up. But, like, they're, I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. showed up to camp 40 pounds lighter. If this guy's just athletic all of a sudden, he, they're going to be nasty. Their infield as of right now is, like, Vlad's probably going to DH, but... You know, you have Vlad, you have Boba Shett, you have Marcus Simeon, you have Kevin Biggio, and choo, this is going to be a stacked team. This this team's going to make some noise this season. Um, it's not going to be expanded playoffs, but I think they're going to be in regardless. I think three teams in the AL East is going to make it. I already said what teams it's going to be. I think it's going to be the Blue Jays and the Red Sox as the wildcard teams. Um I could also really, really, really see the White Sox making a run uh, because the Twins are going to win that division. We'll get to that one next uh, two weeks from now, I guess. But yeah, it's probably going to be between the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Blue Jays, maybe the Rays fighting for those two spots. Um, those are really the only teams I could see uh, making the playoffs this season. I don't know if the Indians can make really make a run the type of moves that they made. But yeah, I'm very excited for this uh, Blue Jays team. And then they still have guys like Rowdy Telez who can hit the ball a million feet. They still have guys like uh, Gurriel who can crush the ball. Randall Gritchett, who's just, you know, he's going to be a good bench player now. Tiasco Hernandez, who hates the Red Sox, by the way. Every time he plays us, he'll hit a ball. Him and Telez, they'll hit a ball 10,000 feet. But yeah, bold prediction for the Blue Jays. Let's see. Um,. Oh, yeah, and they have, I forgot they had Ross Stripling now, too. Nate Pearson. I think Nate Pearson's going to come in, and he is going to finish top 10 in the Cy Young Award voting. Nate Pearson is going to finish top 10 in Cy Young Award voting. Um, You know, what's the reason for that? I don't know, right? Uh, He didn't pitch too great last year in 2020 with his first, you know, his first kind of coming up, but I have confidence in him. He has great stuff. He's a great prospect. And that's pretty much going to conclude the the podcast for today. Um, if you enjoyed it, please let me know. Uh, please take a second, subscribe to the podcast if you're listening. Go check out all of our social medias, um, Couch Fanatic Sports, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You can go check it out at the blogs at couchfanaticsports.com. And thank you guys for listening. I'll see you guys next week. Love you guys.